I am Citizen 44. You are listening to Citizen 44 with Mark Aronsberth, live from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here. Welcome to Citizen 44. This is show number 93. My guest today is Alina Watanabe. Alina is a corporate leadership coach. She provides guidance and training on how to live in peace and harmony on this planet. Also on the show, we have my dad. Yeah, he's back. He's going to be 83 on July 19th, so I guess this is the big birthday show, Dad. It's the big show. Also on the show, because it is the big show, is my daughter Zoe. She too has not been on the show for a while, so it's great to check in with her. She's getting all geared up to go into a class where there's a professor and a whole in front of you university experience. I'm stoked for her about that because she has not been digging this laptop education system at all. We also have Doug Fergus on the show. Lucky Doug. Also on the show, Robbie Lindauer. Yeah, Robbie. So it's the big show, the big birthday show, and it's the big show because I haven't done this for a while. I kind of went on this whole hiatus thing, and lots of things have happened. A lot of growing, a lot of experiences, a lot of awe. I'm constantly in awe. I was walking down the street, and I realized this thing that says, here you go. Do you want this? I get that every day. And when I say no, and it should have been a yes, not too many yeses that should have been no's. Okay, there's been a few yeses that should have been no's, but all I know is this. I am given this, here you go. Do you want this? It's a two-part thing. There's a here you go, and do you want this? I'm super grateful for this relationship in all the different ways that it expresses itself to me, which is wondrous and amazing. If you're paying attention to what is going on here, you will see a lot. Hello, Mark. Great to see you. It's really great to see you, too. We've been trying to make this happen for a little while, and I've been the master of excuses, but lots of things have happened in the past month or two, but I wanted to ensure that we finally do this, and I appreciate your incredible patience with me and your willingness to be put on hold a few times. Sure, sure. One of my favorite words is equanimity. Equanimity is the ability to remain calm no matter what. Your work is helping guide people in a loving way to access their better self and leverage that primarily in professional leadership positions. Yes. We met on LinkedIn over a post that was talking about attachment. Yeah. That must come up in your work. 
It is something that human beings deal with minute by minute. Right. You're in Russia, correct? Yes, I am. Where in Russia are you? I'm in Sochi. It's a beautiful, small resort city. So it's a summer, it's palm trees, it's a sea, and beautiful, beautiful weather. I'm originally from Russia, so I was born here. But half of my life, literally, I lived abroad and I've been exposed to so many cultures. Being immersed in so many cultures, it's difficult for me to identify only like I'm from Russia. I feel it doesn't describe fully. So usually when people ask me, where are you from? I go in a kind of long-winded answer. You're leaving soon to go to Barcelona, Spain? Yes. Before coming here, I've been in Russia only for about one and a half years. Two years soon, actually. So I've been in Japan for 10 years and in France for five years. And I lived in Singapore. So next step, I'm moving to Barcelona to continue my journey there. How did this all begin for you? Because you've taken the conscious road to empower people to be the best versions of themselves and enjoy a more successful, happy life through this kind of self-discovery. You're obviously a, a pretty young person. What, as a young person, got you started into thinking that this is where you want to be in your life? Well, I've been through quite a tough journey that put me on this path. I've been in the corporate world for over 12 years Early in my education, in my career, I've been exposed to the corporate world and how the corporate person is supposed to look and behave. And I was trying to fit myself in a box. I was developing the desirable traits that were perceived as the corporate traits and the other traits I kind of disowned and I put them away. I forgot about them. And then this gap between like how I felt on the inside and how it was on outside, it grew larger and larger. And I burned out. I felt miserable. And I dedicated years to discover what is it that I'm denying about myself and why. And once I became completely comfortable and at peace with that, it just all fell into place, really. And now I really love to bring this, like I say, human essence part into business because I do feel there is still a gap that needs to be closed there. And perhaps having been exposed to many different cultures, I have this Western point of view, I have this Eastern point of view. So it's like a bit of psychology, spirituality and business and economics. It's like everything combined provided me with this insight. Let's talk a little bit about growing up in Russia. Did you have a typical child's life? My childhood was actually really traditional family, no siblings, very peaceful, beautiful upbringing. I guess what I've discovered through years is that my parents educated and the way they were brought up to educate children was there was a certain standard that you were supposed to fit and I didn't fit that standard. I think what I started discovering in my 20s is that, oh my gosh, like all these things that I did, it's not really actually me, it's being imposed on me. So leading up to my 20s, I did things that were appropriate. And then throughout my 20s, I think I started discovering, as I say, like I started shifting through things and just looking, oh, that's not mine. That's from my parents. Let it go. Oh, that's not mine. That has been imposed on me by society, but I don't really resonate with it. So I let it go. It's been a process of really understanding what really belongs to me and what has been piled up on me. So I started really sorting through the mountain of belief, behaviors, and understanding what is mine, what is not mine. Did you have a mentor? Because at 20, it's not a natural inclination to go inside. I didn't really have like a specific mentor that would guide me through the process, but I have been always a spiritual person. So I think that being the common thread throughout, 
in my 20s, I was really into the study of intuition. So I got in touch with my own intuition. I was listening and reading a lot. I acquired the Reiki license. That all happened while I was living in Japan. So I think that was this influence from the Japanese culture of really seeing behind the curtain. It's just by nature, I guess, and I just follow that inclination. That's been the common thread, I guess. And before, I felt dissonance. I felt like, well, there is a real world and there is this intuitive inner world. And I could never find how these two worlds can come together. I always felt conflicted in a way. But then, with time, I could bring into balance. I feel completely at peace right now. I was able to bring the two worlds together and I feel resonant with how it feels really good. <laughs> You've made some discoveries, you did the real work, you got the real education, you found out the real information, all the things that most people do not possess and are not in a position to receive. How did you take that knowing and begin to leverage that information as a tool for you to help other people and create a professional career for yourself? I never thought of really like intentionally building a professional career of it, I guess. But having gone through this personal transformation and personal journey of discovering my own strengths, I discovered that my gentleness is my strength and my intuitive empathy. I discovered these skills to be immense strengths. And the more I leaned into them, the more I followed these qualities, the more I followed these expressions the more proof I saw of how beautiful it is and what value it can actually provide. So the more I followed it, I saw that it's working, it's beautiful, and more confirmations from the universe. So once I've discovered the man's contribution, not just to yourself, but to society, I need to share that. I have to do it <laughs> because I see how many people are struggling. I see how there is a dissonance between how they feel on the inside and how they feel like they have to be on the outside. All of us want to be seen and understood and heard. And it's such a beautiful thing, I think, to give. To see someone, to hear someone, to understand someone. I really want to give that to people and to provide them with tools and ways to see themselves, to see the beautiful potential they have, to see the beautiful inner richness they have, to see the beautiful human essence they have, to see themselves the way I see them. Sweetness, that's what this is all about. You're opting to be a light being and express this essence as you use the word and give people permission. Yes, and I feel it's more like you said, sweetness. I like to use the word gentleness when we have some pleasant interactions with people. Our natural reaction, and unfortunately it's always unconscious, it's on autopilot. We close down, we become rigid, we solidify, we react, we become defensive, we think about ourselves. So I made a conscious decision whenever I have this urge inside myself, feeling some kind of reaction coming up. I am able to notice that and I'm consciously able to shift my decision. The first reaction would be to express anger, frustration, or trying to control. For example, I would consciously choose no, I would try to be curious, I would be open and I would be gentle. As much as I can, of course, it doesn't happen 100% of the time, but shift the arrow towards love and openness and gentleness, this softness. It feels great and it's beautiful observing life in the moment, interactions shifting. 
and now we have a beautiful relationship with people. Amazing how you see the transformation happening in front of your eyes. It's really this gentleness approach with which I encourage people to approach life themselves, relaxing into yourself, allowing yourself to be. And once you allow yourself to be, then you're open to the world around you as well. Responding versus reacting, giving yourself that beat to breathe, to be a critical thinker, to not jump, to not react, to not live on your amygdala. You're not being chased by elephants. You can take your time with your decisions. And it's a powerful place to be when you give yourself enough love and time. We're in this huge reactionary mode. And there is nothing in our foundational public education system that prepares us for anything about life. Nothing. Zero. What can we do to have more of an infiltration, if you will, of this information? One at a time is going to take a long time. And I don't know that we have that much time to do one at a time if only 1% of this world is actually thinking in this way. There is incredible amounts of work to do, and it will never happen one person at a time. There has to be an imparting of global wisdom. I believe Huxley said it's going to take 10% to convince the other 90%. But if we're only at 1% and it's taken us this long to get to 1%, how long is it going to take to get to the other 9%? I'm sure you feel that you're making a dent, and if you weren't, you wouldn't do it because you have to feel that you are accomplishing some goals, that you are helping some people, even if it is one at a time. It's still one person that maybe is suffering less than they would have without your influence. So how do you deal with this and what are you doing to inform more people? It's really an everyday learning and every day I get a feedback. The beautiful thing is that I get feedback from my daughter. She's four years old. So I see the way she responds to me. If I approach her with openness and consciousness and understanding and love, it's like this direct communication. You can see it immediately. If you approach her with control, then she responds with control as well. If you approach with love, she comes back with love. And it's a beautiful thing to observe, really. She had a big impact on me, actually. Since I had my daughter, I started having this shift in values and what's important and just how pure and how present in the moment the children are. I started thinking about happiness, being in the moment and having love for every person and every insect. And as much as I can, I encourage that and foster that love within her. And toddlers, they're so small and they're still so pure. You can absolutely see direct feedback. So everything that I observe, I understand it's it's a reflection. It's a reflection of people around. It's a reflection of, of me and other people's behaviors. I am exposed to the noise every day as well. And I have my, my mom or teachers or society telling me you should do that or you should behave this way or you should educate your daughter, for example, this way. And it's continuous process of, okay, let me pause for a moment and let me think if I really agree with that or not. Does it really resonate with me? It takes a lot of energy to, to not to react. And when every day people are pressing or I feel this pressure to be a certain way or to parent a certain way, it takes energy to become aware that 
okay, this is their things. This is their story. This is their life. What is true to me? So I'm thinking now that we are raising our younger generation. I'm trying to be a conscious parent as much as I can and bring this understanding and inner trust inside her. One way is the way we parent and the values that we instill in them. There's lots of noise and there's lots of craziness. But I see that this noise and craziness, it's all a distraction. I see that people who are inside the drama, who are inside this noise and who are following that external story, there is a lot going on inside. Some are aware of it and some are blind to it. Because I see self-awareness as a continuum. Let's do this one step at a time. Let's raise your awareness. Let's start with how you feel and then slowly, slowly, let's look inside. We are not on the same level. We have different levels of self-awareness, of mindfulness and understanding. And it's fine. It's absolutely fine. And take your time. Are you really going where you want to go? Are you really happy with where you are? Internalize the questions and start to question them. Maybe that's not the way I want to lead my life. Maybe there is something else to life than all this noise. I see different people on different life stages start asking questions, they start noticing. We have this rigidity, so how do we make this external framing less rigid, make it thinner? How do we expand our inner light and make our external features, external frame, external fence less rigid, more pliable, more flexible? And it's also about safety, I think. How can a person feel safe doing that? I feel like there are so many points to that. And it all comes down to self-trust, self-connection, feeling safe within yourself. Just yesterday, I had an interesting revelation. I was thinking how people say that they want to be the best version of themselves. But in order to be the best version of yourself, you need to trust your current version to get yourself there. You need to trust Yes, you want to be the best version of yourself, but you need to trust the current version of who you are right now, the current version who makes decisions, who follows habits and behaviors to get you there. Are you finding that people are more open to becoming conscious, becoming self-aware, or are they just looking for manipulative tools to do a better job of managing chaos that they have to deal with? And they're not all that interested in waking up. They're just interested in looking like they're awake so they can keep everybody else awake enough to work 14 hours a day for them. Right. There are both. Yeah, there are people who are doing this just because it's required. Of course, there are still who do that, but more and more who are struggling are interested. Crisis is a great revealer because what it revealed is our human nature. We are talking about well-being and mental health. People talk about it more and more. And I feel like now it's more than ever the opportunity to bring this home Let's connect. Let's finally go back to the human essence. It's been in us all alone. We just never really paid attention to it or never noticed that. Genuine leaders who really care about the development of themselves, of their team, of their organization, and impact beyond their organizations, there are many of those. And they genuinely care and they're interested. So we talk about how important it is to care, to listen, to empathize, to be kind to enable people to feel the struggle because they experience it firsthand. So they are open and curious to understand and I do lead them from inside out. 
because I do believe it should start from you. We talk about inclusive leadership, diversity, but first you need to become inclusive of yourself. You need to understand yourself, become inclusive of all your parts within yourself. Once you start trusting yourself, you start trusting others. Once you accept the whole parts of yourself, you start seeing the beauty and the wholesomeness of other people as well. With leadership, for example, there are many trainings for we have biases or we think through a certain lens. I call this repellent coating. So if you put certain understandings on this repellent coating, it won't stick. People will slide back to their old patterns and old behaviors. It's really about letting go, taking away this coating that protects you and making sure that the things that we are working on stick deep inside your core. The fertile ground for new behaviors, new thoughts to emerge. And there are many who are genuinely interested in that side. They see that it's not only the soft skills for people, but it's good for the organization as well, long term. It brings value within the organization. It brings value outside the organization. We start with transparency and vulnerability with yourself because leaders, they are role modeling the behavior. We say you cannot expect something of people if you don't do it yourself. It starts with yourself. If the leader is being vulnerable and saying, I am not sure, but let's try this. If he positions himself or herself, not as an expert, but approach things with a learning mindset, curious mindset and the people respond to that behavior, then you have this beautiful opportunity to create the synergy of people. And what they eventually create within the organization is they celebrate each other and really see the value they're able to bring. That drives innovation, creativity. That's all the fertile ground for that. If you don't change your mind, nothing changes. If you don't change what you do, you're gonna keep getting the same results. This is science. This is not metaphysical. This is not spirituality. The universe is set up a certain way. Our human fail safe is, if you want change, you must change what you're doing, thinking, feeling, saying. And then you will get the change. It's automatic. If you do not change, yet you continue to complain about your life, well, you're just gonna be a miserable human being for the rest of this ride because you don't know how easy it is to make the change. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And again, I appreciate that you were willing to wait me out. You have some very valuable information. You are a very gentle, sweet person. And I hope that that came through and that people will think more about being gentle, about being kind to themselves as an act, but gentle about their life and they will feel better. Yes. Thanks again for doing the work and good luck to you. AlinaWatanabe.com. You can find her on LinkedIn. She's got all kinds of videos. She's got a newsletter, all kinds of ways to nourish yourself with positive, uplifting, gentle information. Thank you so much, Mark. Take care and good luck in Barcelona. Thank you.
happening? Just calling you, checking in. He's cool. How's it going over there? It's good. I've been up since five o'clock this morning. How come? Because the last two mornings I meditated with Lean Ann. Okay. How's she doing? She's good. I mean, they're in lockdown, not like us. I mean, we're in major lockdown now. I think we had 1,200 cases of COVID yesterday. Wow. Yeah, effective yesterday. We're only allowed to leave our places for food, grocery shopping, or medicine. Nobody's supposed to be on the street. We're in pretty much total lockdown for the next 15 days. Wow, that's too bad. Do they have all the medication they need, or what's going on with that? I don't know if they have enough vaccinations for everybody in Saigon, but I do know that they were receiving a lot of vaccinations from China. I don't know if they were getting any from the States, but they are definitely vaccinating people and testing people. So we're on just kind of high alert. How's your hernia? I think because of my radical change in diet, I am feeling better. I mean, I'm still sore. I got some of my energy back and it's still a thing. I went for my last long walk yesterday, the day before yesterday. Got some fruit and some vegetables and filled up my refrigerator and I have water. So I'm good to go. I don't have to go anywhere. I have everything I need. Did you get a delivery? Yeah, thank you. I got the book. So you got the alchemist? Yeah. By the way, Dad, you're on show number 93. Oh, I am? Yes. Oh, okay. You got a birthday coming up on the 19th. Right. Be- I'll be 49. How can you be younger than me? I'm going to be 60 in November. Uh, I'm doing it. Whatever it takes then you better really do some things. You're not Harry Potter, so you can't make it magically happen. I actually have tremendous power. Most people don't know about, so... uh, What kind of power is that, Norm? I can't tell you. You can't tell me? I just can't. I tell you, they have to kill me. I can't do that. Oh, well, I don't want you to have to murder your own son. That would be so biblical. No, I know. That's why. I feel pretty good. Good. Well, that's the most important thing, that you feel pretty good. You're going to be 83 on the 19th. 19 is supposed to be a significant number, like 19 chakra points on the planet. I was born on the 19th. Did it ever occur to you that we were both born on the 19th? Of course. Okay. I love you, Dad. This is the birthday show, show number 93 for you. You sound well. Within about two weeks, you should be receiving a package from Vietnam. Oh, okay. I'm hoping I was able to time it where it'll show up right near your birthday. I have impeccable timing with things. I'm hoping it shows up on your birthday. That would be amazing. Dad, I love you. I love you too. You take care of yourself. You too, Dad. Have a good rest of your Friday. Talk to you later. Okay, Dad. See you later. Bye. Bye. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Blast off. Let's go. Hey, Zozo. What's going down? Hi. It's 1030 in the morning there? Yes. Your Sunday is beginning. Mine ended 29 minutes ago because I'm in a time machine with a Band-Aid on my head. There you go. Is it attractive? Do you like the Band-Aid? I mean, it's a look for sure. Okay. (laughs) You know what's hiding under that Band-Aid, don't you? No. 
I'm really Harry Potter's father. <laughs> You're saying his scar is hereditary. Yes, he got it from me. I'm hiding it from you today because I don't want to freak you out that it just showed up on my head as I am about four-fifths through... What am I reading? Which one? Half-Blood Prince. Half-Blood Prince. And I just ordered Deathly Hollows the other day, so it should be showing up shortly, within a few days. Yay. What am I going to do when I'm done with this series? My life will be over again. Restart it again. That's the natural path. <laughs> as I read these for the second time, I am getting it for the first time. That's enviable. I feel so lucky that I get first-time experiences more than once. Are you reading those yeah. books now? No. Okay. I was reading them not that long ago. For some reason, I was picturing it like a long time ago. I read number five this past fall. I finished it, I think, in September. And then I was like, mm, I'm going to take a break. And so that's where we're at. So you're on show number 93. That's fun. Oregon's in like a heat pocket or whatever. Oregon and Washington. We're going to get up to 113 today. What? Yeah. That's nuts. And where you are too, it's that hot in Corvallis? Yeah, in Corvallis. We never get this hot, so. How's your air conditioning in your new place? Very good. Okay. Where's your Dwight? Let me see. Show me Dwight. Hey, what's up, Dwight? D. White? Dwight? I think one of the sweetest scenes I ever saw and the saddest scenes was when he's sitting on the stairs with Jim and he's crying and he's facing the wall. Oh, and Jim's yeah. telling him about how terrible it felt when he was in love with Pam, but Pam was with Roy. Roy Anderson, is that his last name? Mm-hmm. Anderson, like Pamela Anderson. Yeah, and Pam has a line where she's like, almost marrying Roy Anderson is the closest to Pamela Anderson I ever want to be or something ah, like that. Oh, look, you're, uh, you're a talking head. I think that's pretty fascinating about what they put behind them, determined whether they were long or short term. Yeah, that's cool. How far are you on Office Ladies? I think I'm caught up. I just listened to Crime Aid. It's the most recent one where Michael and Holly leave the office unlocked and so it gets robbed. Was it good? Yes. I picked up a little Ron Burgundy too. Mm. Did you listen to the one where he's going to give himself the fancy celebrities only vaccine? <laughs> no, I haven't. That's oh, I funny. think you'll enjoy that. are getting more cases here in Saigon by the day than maybe ever. It's mounting to something now. They're increasing the social distance procedures here. I'm working from home on my fourth week. Nothing, obviously, in comparison to what you guys have gone through. We've had nine months of relative nothing until the past month. But I think you can find supporting arguments for both sides of the vaccine that are valid, that are coming from healthcare professionals mm. of respectable opinions. I would say it's an individual choice. I feel like part of the reluctance is due to some sort of anti-vax misinformation, like not the whole part, there are valid arguments, but I would say a good portion is anti-vax misinformation situations. So I wouldn't necessarily put them on even playing fields in terms of logic. It's fair that people are making decisions both ways. Yeah, it's fair. I would yeah. just say that because I don't know that I would judge a stranger and be like, wow, what a jerk for not getting the vaccine. 
but because it's my mom, I feel like I'm in a place where like I know her. I've accepted what she's gonna do. It just personally stresses me out. I have tried to eliminate the word should from my vocabulary yeah. entirely because I That's feel valid. that it is merely imposing one's will or opinion based on whatever limited information that most people have. There you go. I'm gonna be 60 this year and you're 20. Yes. And I know that I didn't know shit and still don't, but know a little more than I did when I was 20. I was getting ready to get married when I was your age. So that's how yeah, dumb that's I was. Silly. So it's hot where you are and you're on summer break? Yes, I am. Are you going to go to Ashland for the 4th of July? Yes, I am. Going to be a good time. Are you excited about going home? Yes. Barb's doing her 4th of July barbecue thing, and Jen Ross and Molly are coming up from California. Karina's coming up from California, so everyone's gonna be there, and I'm excited. I think it'll be fun, because we didn't do it last year, so it's been two years, I guess. Yeah, well, that's great. Mm -hmm. That'll be a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate that you came on the show, Zozo. It's been a yeah. while. I haven't made a show for several months, and mm -hmm. uh, sounds like your life is pretty honky-dory. You don't get your curry delivered in the robot anymore. I do not. No, I live off campus, so that's not really a thing. Look at you. You're a big 20-year-old adult now living I know. off campus in a house, shopping for yourself. Got your car yep. there, right? Are you driving I home? Do. Yes, I am. You can thank me anytime you want oh for saying, why don't you take your car to, to school? Wow. Anytime you want. You can wow. just. You don't have to do it now. Wow. You, can just, you can just send me a message over WhatsApp. Go, hey, thanks, Dad. I'm really so wow. glad that you practically insisted that I take my car back to school because of what a good idea that would thanks be. Thanks for that good that. advice, Dad. Oh, you know what? You don't have to thank me. I'm your father. Oh I mean, that's uh, what I'm here for. Okay, sweetie. Have a beautiful day. <laughs> thank and, you. And uh, good chatting with you. I love you. Love you. That sounded like there was a question mark on the back of love it. Love you. <laughs> oh, that sounded more like there was a period. See you later, sailor. Bye. Bye. Doug Fergus, what is going down, brother from another mother? <laughs> yes, my fine feathered friend. I'm doing very well, thank you. Where are you? Where do you live now? Are you still in uh, in Colorado? My wife works part of the year in Colorado, so we have a tiny apartment there. We also have a little home base here in Ashland, Oregon. Ye old Ashland. It feels like eons since I was a resident in that town. I know, and when I walk through town, literally, it feels like the town is missing something because you aren't here. Wow, that is very sweet. And you know how absolutely immersed in that environment I was in every way, shape, yeah. and form. I left a piece of me back there. You're in Ashland because of summertime, your mom and your sister are there. People freak out in the yeah. summer because of fires and smoke. For years now, the smoke from nearby wildfires has blanketed Ashland for weeks every summer, and it seems to be getting hotter and the threat of fire higher. 
and my mom and sister don't drive, so they're in the process of finding a place to live in the northern part of Oregon where it rains year-round. So I'm here kind of helping them with all of that. What's the energy like in ye old Ashland? Well, when you and I lived here in the prime, like the arc of when we arrived to when you and I both left, the magical aspect of Ashland definitely feels like it's dropped several notches in that magical quality. There was this kind of groovy, fun vibe of Ashland that you were a big part of. And now that you've been gone, when I go downtown, not the same without you here. (laughs) Well, like I said, that's a very sweet sentiment. This is a testament to the fact that I've said repeatedly that I show up and leave places at exactly the right time, whether it's L.A., San Francisco, Ashland, Thailand. I get there when I need to be there, and I leave on a high note, like George Costanza. (laughs) It was Shakespeare Town. Do people still come? Is it open? They're just starting to begin now, or begin a series of shows now, but it's not back to full capacity, no. I remember Julie O'Dwyer saying, I'm sick of the drama. I go, well, you know what? You live in Shakespeare Town. It's unavoidable. (laughs) You wrote a book that can be found on Amazon, I believe. What is that? What's that book? What's that all about? The book is called Small Portions Cafe. It's 10 short stories that poke fun at society, and it's designed to make you feel good, maybe see yourself laughing at yourself. Yes, it's on Amazon as a digital or paperback, Small Portions Cafe. The author's name is Douglas Burgess. Douglas? That sounds so formal. Your mother must be proud of you. (laughs) Yes. Has your mom read the book? Oh, yes. What was her response? Laughing out loud several times. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. A fantastic achievement along with recording with Sylvia Massey, the same person who recorded Michael Jackson and Prince and Johnny Cash. Yeah. The story is just (laughs) off the rails, man. You know, I feel sorry for people who never find out what they can do and what they really want to do. It's the saddest thing, I think, in the world. People do not write the book or join the band. You just have to take one of the steps and keep taking steps. You don't have to do it all at once. Everything I've ever achieved with, it's all because I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do it. (laughs) And I just did it one little bit at a time. I started writing short stories when I was 19 in the Air Force, but never quite did anything with them. Well, here I am 60 and my first book is out. Doug, I really appreciate you jumping on a call with me. It was a lot of fun to catch up with you. Congratulations on small portions, 10 stories. Thank you very much. Much love to you and your lovely bride. Much love to you, Mark, and your wonderful extended family there where you're living now. Oh, thank you. The queen had balls. She'd be king, said my mother. (laughs) On that note...
Robbie. How's it going, man? Uh, it's just fucking amazing. Why? Because I just finished my 20,000 steps. They have that 10,000 steps program. Yeah. So I'm on a 20,000 steps program because I just can't do the normal thing. What is the normal thing? If you take 10,000 steps a day, that will keep a normal person healthy. That's totally doable. Did you just get back from New York? I just got back from New York. I was staying in Forest Hills, which is in Queens. It's like the Jewiest place. That's where the Costanzas lived. Where, the, where did Seinfeld live? Jerry lived at 129 West 81st yeah. Street in New York City. I told you I found out I had the Kaborka. What, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> Unless you're a Seinfeld fan, people will not know what you're talking right. about. It's where you have a magical power over women that you haven't met before. And for no good reason, like Kramer, who is a complete dork, had it. Oh, yeah! So the first day I was there, I walked through Manhattan and I was getting a waffle. I had a Max Planck shirt on, and the lady at the desk, she said, oh, I love Gandhi. So I said, oh, it's not Gandhi, it's Max Planck. And she said, oh, I love him. So I took my sandwich outside, and then she came outside and said she was quitting her job and sat down and chatted with me and gave me her phone number. And I was like, oh, I apparently have the Kaborka, and uh, she's really neat. How's it going with the music? The music is going pretty well. I'm developing another record right now. This one is going to be all love songs, and I have five of them written and recorded, and I expect to finish that probably around November is my guess. Cool. I want to thank you for uh, letting me use some of your music on today's show. We used to be in a band together back in the day and friends for quite a yeah. while now. And tell the folks how they can uh, find your music and you and more about you online. I'm Robbie Lindauer. I'm at RobbieLindauer.com. I think I have the band name Robbie on Facebook. And so I'm, I'm not that hard to find. YouTube or Spotify and Amazon and Apple. Just Google you, you'll pop up everywhere, right? Well, it turns out there are a surprising number of Robert and Robbie Lindauers in the world. Well, you'll certainly be the only Korean Jewish one. I'm definitely the only Korean Jewish Irish one. The other ones are Robert Lindauer, although I did release my piano solos under Robert Lindauer because it turns out in classical music, you have to use your full legal name ah. when you release music. I know, it's, it's classical music has slightly different rules. So formal. It makes no sense to me. I, I think it's stupid. Serenity now! I remember the last thing that we did, it came up recently, it was we won first place in the Ashland 4th of July Parade for Love Shack. Remember we played Love Shack like 30 times. We were on this amazing vehicle Obviously. that Garth created. Felice was our lead singer. It was a lot of fun. The 4th of July Parade, of course, is one of the highlights of annual life in Ashland, Oregon, along with the Halloween Parade. I would imagine yeah. all these things are still happening, but my understanding is from Doug, who I spoke to a couple days ago, that it's not the same by any stretch yeah. of the imagination and that we should feel very no. fortunate that we were there exactly when we were there. Well, I think we were honestly the ones who made it good. I don't disagree with you. We definitely added a, <laughs> a whole lot of something-something to that place. It was so special when we were there that we could do that, that we could shine as brightly as we chose. You're right. It was super fun. Yeah. And I'm glad that we still talk to each other. Yeah. 
I am glad too. I want to come to Saigon and play music. This is on my to-do list. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. I have a cajon. I bought myself a cajon. I'm happy to be. You your... have a cajon. Yeah, I'm happy to be your percussion. How much is a guitar over there? Because I can't carry him on the plane. I, I think they're about eleven cents. Okay, I'm seriously considering packing all my stuff in my van and driving literally around the world. How are you going to drive to Asia? I think you may have something here. I haven't figured that out. Okay. <laughs> Robbie, it's been great to have you on the show and catch up. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. It's one of the nicer things to do. It's a Festivus miracle! Well, that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. It was really great to talk to Alina about her path and all the steps that she's taken to maximize her enjoyment of her life and how she's taken that into the professional and corporate realm and have empowered others to do the same for themselves and their employees. It was really great to have my dad on the show. Happy birthday again, dad, on July 19th, 83, the big 83. Also great to talk to my daughter, Zoe. Sounds like she's doing great. She's so sweet and funny and easy to talk to. I'm so happy for her and her life and everything she's doing. Also super stoked to talk to my friend, Lucky Doug, Lucky Doug Fergus, hanging out there in Ashland, Oregon. He's got that book. He's got his book out, Small Portions Cafe. Check that out on Amazon. You can also check him out on luckydoug.com. Also want to thank Robbie Lindauer. Robbie provided uh, a lot of the backing tracks for today's show. You can find more of Robbie's music at RobbieLindauer.com. Thanks so much for listening. As always, much appreciated. If you like this show, check out the rest of the shows on CastBox, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you really like the show, become a subscriber on CastBox. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. This show is produced, engineered, mixed, edited, recorded, and presented to you by Mark Ahrensberg. The song Departure Family at the end of each show is by Lucky Doug Fergus. Thank you, Sam, Zoe, and Val. Whatever you're doing is not working. There's one way you can change that, and that's to change what you do, 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 change what you do. Yes. I am Citizen 44. If you're paying attention to what is going on here, you will see a lot.